Hey guys, um, so I just want you to know in our Daniel study, things are about to shift a little bit because so far we've been discussing uh, Daniel and his role as a marketplace minister and advisor to kings uh, and, you know, head over the main occult um, organization of the Babylonian, Babylonian government, uh, King Darius, Cyrus, etc. And, uh, and so now he's opening up for us the uh, visions, the dreams, etc. that he had that would, that basically showed him the end of the age. And so we're going to dig into some end time stuff on these teachings. And, uh, and then uh, I've been studying the book of Revelation, which actually is a really great book to study. Um, and if you guys want, we'll dive into some of that stuff. But so in Daniel chapter 7, verse 1 in the New Living Translation, which I forgot to bring my Bible in here, I'll just read from my notes. It says, earlier during the first year of King Belshazzar's reign in Babylon, Daniel had a dream and saw visions as he lay in his bed. He wrote down the dream, and this is what he saw. So remember, Belshazzar it was a co-regent with Nebuchadnezzar's son, uh, it, Nabonidus, N-A-B-O-N-I-D-U-S. And so his co-rule co was between 556 B.C. and 553 uh, B.C., and it was about 10 years before the Medo-Persian uh, takeover that showed up on the scene. So he's going back to that time before the Darius um, and Cyrus uh, rule. And it says in verses 2 through 7, In my vision that night, I, Daniel, saw a great storm churning the surface of a great sea with strong winds blowing from every direction. Then four huge beasts came up out of the water, each different from the others. Now, isn't that interesting? that these beasts are coming up out of the water. And if you're in Revelation, you see that the beast comes up out of the sea. And in fact, the lion, the bear, and the leopard are alluded to in uh, Revelation. So think of the book of Revelation as more unveiling of what Daniel saw that he was not allowed to share with us. So he sees this great storm. I want to tell you guys um, something that's really bothered me. You know, the, um, the prophetic is very real. And the purpose of the prophetic is to encourage, to exhort, and to also warn. And it seems like the church, to a degree, has itching ears. We only want to hear good news. We only want to hear good stuff. Um, but there is a place for warning. And if we're not careful, we're not going to catch when God's trying to warn us of something. And one of the things that... I saw before the last elections in 2020, uh, 2020, the presidential election, that the ballots were going to be a huge problem, the mail-in ballots, and they were. And um, so we need to be brave and willing to share um, negative things that the Lord is showing us. The responsibility is, is to ask him, is this something that we can shift or is this just going to happen no matter what we do and we need to prepare so here we have Daniel. He's obviously seeing something that's not a, a you know, mushy-gushy word. And, you know, people might be like, well, that was Old Testament. Well, Jesus basically told Peter that when he was old, he was going to have to go where he didn't want to go. That's not an encouraging word. And then, you know, Peter's like, well, what about him? You know, because you get a bad word. You're like, well, maybe he'll get one too. And he's like, well, what is it to you if he lives until I return? So we need to be mature and understand 
that in the end, everything is going to be absolutely perfect. But being afraid of any discomfort, um, any um, things that make us scared is not a reason to not heed warnings, okay? And to make sure that we're understanding, hey, this is a prophetic word. I need to prepare. So he sees this storm. He sees these beasts come out of the water. The first beast was like a lion with eagle's wings. As I watched, its wings were pulled off, and it was left standing with its two hind feet on the ground like a human being, and it was given a human mind. The second beast looked like a bear. It was rearing up on one side, and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And I heard a voice saying to it, to it, get up, devour the flesh of many people. Then the third of these strange beasts appeared, and it looked like a leopard. It had four bird's wings on its back, and it had four heads. Great authority was given to this beast. And then in my vision that night, I saw a fourth beast, terrifying, dreadful, and very strong. It devoured and crushed its victims with huge iron teeth and trampled their remains beneath its feet. It was different from any of the other beasts, and it had ten horns. The great storm churning the surface of the great sea with great winds might have been the Mediterranean Sea for um, Daniel. Um, but we know that a lot of times seas in the Bible represent masses of people. So it can represent a certain type of you know people group. It can represent just humanity in general. And so he is seeing more than likely this water churning and it's representing the Gentile nations. Now, whether he understood that or not, I'm not sure. And these beasts are coming out of the masses or coming out of the, um, the peoples, the nations of the world. And the reason these kingdoms are highlighted is their interaction with Israel. That was very important. And so, well, you know, it's pretty straightforward. The angel told them what all it meant, but the lion had eagle's wings is referring obviously to Babylon. So if you look at Babylonian art and literature, you will see actually this infamous lion standing up with eagle's wings depicted uh, and representing Babylon. And then sometimes you just see the lion. In Jeremiah 49, 19 through 22, it described Nebuchadnezzar coming like a lion and flying like an eagle um, which could also represent a vulture. So a lot of times when you see eagle in the Bible, it can sometimes also be vulture. Uh, most scholars agree that the wings represent a bird of prey. His wings plucked and standing up like a man represent Nebuchadnezzar finally understanding he was just a man and not God after being a beast for seven years. And so we see intelligence. I want to make sure that I am on the right page. Like I'm having one of those moments where no one's showing up and normally people do. And then I'm like, oh no, am I on one of my clients page or am I on my business page? Well, we'll just keep going and see what happens. The bear is rearing up on one side um, with the three ribs in its mouth. And so uh, some have tried to say this is a picture of a bear that's like up ready to pounce, but it says it's, it's on one side. So it's a lopsided bear. So part of it is up and part of it's down on the ground. Um, and you know, obviously by the description, the bear is not standing up. I don't know why people keep saying that, that, but you know, and then it might be because the word rearing means to stand or to rise or to establish, but that word also rear up describes the beginning and development of nations and a kingdom. 
Well, we know that the bear represents the Medo-Persian Empire because the Medo-Persian Empire was lopsided with Persia finally winning out as being the strongest of the two. And they became the superpower. But here with the three ribs, those are defeated nations. And so we see conquering. So with the lion uh, standing up, we see intelligence. With the bear, we see conquering. Next comes the um, leopard. And one thing about leopards is their speed. So this animal, uh, extremely fast. Uh, they can top out, out at about 35 miles per hour. And, um, and a cheetah is double that, by the way. I had no idea. It had the four bird's wings on its back and then the four heads. So the wings and the leopard represent Greece and uh, Alexander the Great, but the speed at which Alexander showed up on this uh, scene and became a superpower is represented by both the leopard and the wings. So he's the next superpower. No one saw it coming. And then um, Greece conquered Persia and more, and that was in less than nine years. So Nebu or, uh, Alexander the Great worked really, really fast, just like Daniel saw, and great authority was given to him and uh, so we see in his realm, great authority. So with the first beast, you've got intelligence. The second beast, you've got conquering. The third beast, you have authority. The, um, the heads, the four heads represent leaders. This is in uh, Ezra 5.10. And um, we know that Alexander the Great died young. And his kingdom was divided between his four generals and that's how we got the Ptolemy, like Queen uh, Cleopatra in Egypt and um, the whole Mark Antony deal. And then we got uh, the Seleucid Empire, which included Antiochus Epiphanes, who did the first abomination of desolation. So all of that history is was played out after Daniel saw it. And so we can look back and be like, okay, that's what that meant. That's what that meant. But what I want you to understand is that these are nations. And so Daniel's showing him national things that are going on and we need to keep that in mind in the book of revelation that this stuff um shows the supernatural but it also shows the natural and it's a guarantee that the beast out of the sea is a nation with an antichrist ruler and often god will um use the two together like for him the ruler is the same as his kingdom because as he goes so does the kingdom so uh he'll use those uh interchangeably uh, so Ptolemy took Egypt and nearby lands. Seleucus uh, received Syria, Asia Minor, Minor, and conquered eastern nations. Uh, Lysimachus, uh, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, got Thrace and surrounding territories. And then Cassander uh, got Macedonia and Greece. The uh, Thrace was later absorbed into the Seleucid Empire and then Macedonia's power was checked by the upcoming newbie on the block, and that was Rome. So the prophecies of Daniel 2, the prophecy of Daniel 7, speak of the same empires, the same divided empire once um, Alexander died. Um, so it's just showing political and military dominance uh, that Daniel started his career in, was continuing in with Medo-Persia, and then it would continue after he was gone in um, Greece, and then, of course, the fourth beast, which is Rome. Uh, okay, so, um, and by the way, BibleTools.org has some really good stuff on this. So the fourth beast is the only one that's just described by its attributes, where the others were described by, described by what they looked like 
Rome, its attributes and what it evokes in others is what stood out to Daniel. It was terrifying, dreadful, very strong. Um, the word strong means mighty, strong. It describes power and authority wielded by kings and the massive power and influence exercised by mighty kingdoms. Uh, this one was so fierce and so scary that it was unlike any other kingdom ever on earth. Um, there was nothing to compare to it. And it devoured and trampled whatever it came into contact with. Uh, by the way, um, and, and its teeth was what devoured the, uh, the other nations. But devour means to eat, consume, or devour. It's also used idiomatically, best translated as slandered, or and then crush means to crush to pieces. So if you take the biblical uh, symbolism, because it says that it had 10 horns, which that's also in the book of Revelation. And we'll be getting into that when I get to that um, book on what all that means. But we know that a horn, we have a precedent in the Bible in interpreting symbolism that horn represents rulers. So in a ruler isn't a ruler without a kingdom. So you could say that the 10 horns... Um, that will be a very terrifying um, rule. It will consist of 10 rulers and 10 kingdoms that coalesce together to accomplish a purpose. So the last beast is actually comprised of 10. Now we know that Rome wasn't. So Daniel is fast forward, forwarding to the future uh, fourth beast that is not the original beast that he saw, which was Rome. It is a resurrected Roman uh, empire. And um, and so we've got these 10 horns at the same time in history. Um, and we don't know if the beast originally starts out like is a fourth beast born when the 10 kingdoms join forces or is the fourth beast around and then it becomes powerful with the other 10. Um, I'm kind of thinking the former conclusion, but I'm still studying Revelation. So maybe I'll have more insight when we get to that point. So if we look at history and we agree with scholars that Daniel did see the ancient empire of Rome um, that was ruled by Caesar. And it was only one kingdom that conquer, conquered the known world by 117 AD. This means that this is not that same empire with the Ten Horns. Okay, so Babylon conquered Israel, taking the people into captivity for 70 years. Persia issued the decree that um, allowed Israel to return to build the city and the temple. Greece continued to fight over Israel, um, especially with the you know Hellenistic um, worldview. It infiltrated the Jewish um, way of life, but also, like I said, uh, Antiochus Epiphanes, the Seleucid um, ruler, set up the pig in the most holy place in the temple and the um, uh, pagan symbol of Zeus. And that's what actually kicked off the fight with the Maccabees. So Rome was in power when Jesus came. So architecture, education, roads, water systems, safer travel, all of that paved the way for the gospel to go out a lot easier than it would have been able to um, without it. But we also had to have the barbaric practice of crucifixion because it was prophesied how the Lord would die. Okay, so let's just touch um, real fast on the Revelation 13, 1 through 2 that speaks to the beast out of the sea. It says, Then I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. It had seven heads and ten horns with ten crowns on its horns, and written on each head were names that blasphemed God. 
This beast looked like a leopard, but it had the feet of a bear and the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave the beast his own power and throne authority. Um, now, the word beast is different from a word that's used for uh, animals in general. That's zoan, which that describes living creatures. It even, uh, it's, you know, like zoo is in, in that word. But it also describes the creatures that are around the, the father's throne. The word beast, though, is T-H-E-R-I-O-U. And it refers to a wild beast, denotes particularly a venomous creature like a, a viper, which I thought was interesting, the heads are the horns, uh, sources of authority, okay? Uh, and we see the ten horns, who are obviously ten kings and their kingdoms. And then we also have the seven head, heads that formed a coalition to overthrow God by the blasphemous names written on the heads. So seven chiefs join forces to rage against God using ten kings uh, over their kingdoms. And I don't know if, you know, maybe some of the Seven were also the ten. I'm not sure. But the heads are the source of authority for the ten horns. And so it's similar um, to Caesar giving authority over... Um, <laughs> would you stop? I'm trying to do a Bible study here. Kitty, what on earth? What a little punk. Um, so it's similar to you know Caesar. He would set rulers in place over um, his kingdoms. Like uh, Herod was over, um, you know, Judea, and you had his brother Antipas, I believe, who's over Galilee. So it's a very similar thing where we have these rulers that are over certain things, but they answer to one person. That was Caesar. So their authority was limited within the confines of Rome, and the same is going to be when the Antichrist shows up. Okay, now let me get back over here. All right, so here's what's interesting. The final kingdom that Daniel saw and later John saw is that combination of the leopard rising up fast out of nowhere, devouring like a bear, like the Middle Persian Empire did, and having the mouth of the lion, which can signify a couple of things, um, reasoning intelligence, but also the terrifying aspect of a lion. So the final beast out of the sea in Revelation will be a culmination of all the Antichrist systems in the past. And an Antichrist system really is a world ruler. They don't want to stay in their lane. They want to take over the world. And also how they treat Israel and how they treat Christians determines if they are an Antichrist system, whether that's in a city, a county, a state, or a nation. And also determines if they're a sheep or a goat entity. So... This is the culmination of wickedness. This is a culmination of that Antichrist thing. And uh, as nations, as a nation's consultant, God is revealing to Daniel the future geopolitical situation long after he's gone. And it's fascinating to me. Because of his position, um, his unique and supernaturally empowered skill set in the marketplace, God shows Daniel secrets and things that no one else got. And, uh, and I like that. So to me, it says that if you're faithfully executing the assignment God has given you, he will show you things that he may not show other people who do not have that same assignment. He'll show you things based on how well you steward your role. So I like that. Um, it's super spiritual. I mean, it's to me, it's a lie thinking that people that have uh, churches or pastors are more important or 
um, more spiritual, um, more righteous. Uh, if you are in the marketplace, you are a minister, you can ask God to show you things um, that you don't see or that you don't know or ask him questions um, about wherever you serve, your city, your county, your state, your nation, and let him show you. Uh, so um, by Daniel being faithful to those that he was called to serve, God judged him faithful um, so that he could see the end of the age. So your work is important and it can open the door for you to see things that others may not see. So anyway, I wanted to uh, share that with you today. I'll probably do urgent education, hopefully tomorrow. I may do it this evening. I'm really tired. I had to work till nine o'clock last night uh, and I got up at five and my first meeting was at seven. So I was a little bit pooped. Um, but if I have a second wave of energy, I'll probably do urgent education uh, tonight. I want to do the women's voting thing because I think you guys will be surprised. All right. I am going to go hit the gym and I will hopefully see you later or tomorrow.